the award-winning crunch time. Couldn't handle it first time. Gets it back. Gave it up just in time. And Charlie Dixon back in. Back amongst the goal. It took 35 seconds. And Potter on the board. Lob numbers against Waitman underneath. Swings through his third. Lob brought it down. Silver service. And Waitman thanked him for it. Got it up towards Wines. Couldn't quite get away with it. Trelaw got the handball and kicked the goal. And Rioli was just standing at the back. Hand pass to Finlayson, who casually swings it in from the boundary. And Port come up with the answer. And McRae's marked 40 out. This and they're the... back in this game. In he skips. Gets a little closer than that. I think he's got enough on it. I think he's got enough on it. And the dogs are alive. Kicks for Rioli. One-on-one deep. Tumbles to ground with his opponent, Duray. Ball loose underneath. Liam Jones slapped it away. Horn Francis onto oh. it. Busted away. Steady, straighten and go! What a touch of class from Jason Horn Francis. All manner of streaks kept intact tonight. It's Ken's 10. From untenable to unbeatable. Port Adelaide take the dogs for the second time this season. The margin, 22 points. It's, it's hard to answer long term whether it's the best we've been in, but I think there's certainly great belief and it's growing. It's not going away, it's getting stronger and the boys are getting they're getting um, ample examples of what it looks like. Port Adelaide maintains the rage and the streaks. Track specialists at Marvel and in the best form of Kenny's days. The power further their case at the top of the ladder in the dying moments of the game. The game sits with a St Kilda sub. Cooper Sharman straight through the middle. St Kilda sink the Swans late. To the players, we sent them away for six days. We didn't change what we had planned and come back, delivered what we call a sharp review, but a brief review. And I don't know, the truth set you free, right? So we, we just said, here it is. And I went, yeah, processed it. And then we had a really good week on the track. St Kilda breaks at Sydney Hoodoo in a critical win after the bye. The Swans condemned to another narrow SCG loss, leaving them buried deep in the pack. Yeah, I didn't assess it. Everyone's come to me with it. We're unwavering on process in and outside the club, so they can go through the channels and, and make an assessment. Clearly, that part of the game's challenging for everyone. I'd be really concerned with the game's going if he gets rubbed mm. out for that tackle. I'd be horrified. I mean, he, he steps inside, he turns side on, so he's not going to keep his balance. You've got a little bloke tackling a bloke that's six foot five. He makes the tackle. Momentum takes him to ground. He's got no option here. I don't know. I think if you ask him to do anything other than what he did, it's impossible. Come on, what, what is he supposed to do? I think well, he tried to, his duty of care here he is... tried to turn, he's, he's got go. momentum, yeah. he tried to let go. Yeah. When you chase from behind with that level of momentum, the physics tell you where are they going. Mm. I mean, that's not someone trying to knock someone out, that's just physics. And it probably should be the, um, you know, the civil test, you know, the balance of probabilities. Uh, 51%, no, he didn't look like he was trying to hurt him. And I, uh, I think it's OK because there's accidents in sport. And the next blazing controversy set it on the dangerous tackle and everyone has a theory. In a contentious year, Dan Butler's Tuesday night tribunal hearing shapes as the biggest so far. This is the round 13 edition of Crunch Time.
Port Adelaide and St Kilda are winners so far in round 13. It's a beautiful winter's day in Melbourne. Clear blue skies as the Brisbane Lions are going to test their credentials at the home of football. They'll do so against Hawthorne. And then this venue is going to host two rippers with huge crowds tomorrow night. Carlton trying to bury some of their nerves against Essendon, ancient rivals, and then the King's birthday Monday. Big freeze nine, followed by the top-end encounter, Collingwood and Melbourne. Jared Waitley with you for Crunch Time. Luke Hodge is with me. Hello, Hodgie. Morning, Jared. What did you think last night? Well, I thought it was a lot more exciting than Thursday night. I'm not going to lie. I, I did watch Thursday night to, uh, to see Bud's 350th, which was good for a bit. And then very painful. I flicked it over to the cricket very quickly. But last night was great. Ten goals in the first quarter. And Port Adelaide, they, they were tested a few times by the Western Bulldogs. But as we said, they got the ten in a row. And look, they're, they're looking very good. Dermot Burton, well, he was on duty on Thursday night. So while we had a telly on the cricket, we were sort of vaguely condemned to stay with the footy, where we, Dermot? <laughs> we were. Uh, yeah, look, it, it was great to see Buddy do what he did. But I, I don't think Sydney Swans are going to bluff too many people from here in. They are where they are on the ladder for a reason. They're not a tremendously good team at the moment. Last night... I think we're at the concern stage now for the doggies. In a, in a week which we saw the Iron Sheik pass away, and to use a wrestling terminology, a heel is the bad guy who the superstars beat. I think the Bulldogs are the ultimate heel. They, they are a goodish team, better than average, which is middle of the ladder, but the really good guys are going to beat them frequently. They put the good guys over. Yeah, hmm. correct. That's when they you put know. them over. Yeah. <laughs> if you beat the Bulldogs, that's when you know. Which is different from a jobber who goes out there <laughs> yes. and it never wins, which is a harder job because they have to make the crowd feel like they've got a chance. So there's a bit of doubt whether the uh, the star, the face, can uh, get the win. I yeah. like where we've started here. Crunch time <laughs> is for the Berwick Motor Group. Visit Berwick, GWM Havel, and test drive the GWM Canon CC, part of the Berwick Motor Group and Ozito, powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. Sam Edmonds, a critical part of our quartet today. He's buried in... Huh. MRO findings and tribunal hearings of the past and trying to marry it all together, studying vision in all sorts of different directions. Hello mm. to you, Sam. Morning to you all, Jared. You know, the mid-season is the cue for a lot of things. The buy-rounds, of course, player movement meetings, a true assessment of where clubs are at, and we heard that from Luke Beveridge last night. But what it isn't, seemingly, is a changing of the timeline on Ken's contract. In fact, the question wasn't even complete last night when Ken shot that August. August. <laughs> August. Nothing changes. It was so good. I loved it. And, you know, my kids were big Ben 10 fans, and you touched on this in the aftermath last night. It's now Ken 10. So it's just the narrative's beautiful going forward, isn't it? Gosh, he's got spare time on his hands. He does. So now he's got one more week and then the bye. He's suddenly free. Morning coffee and breakfast that he hasn't been able to have, stare out at the ocean and go, That's oh, it. do you know what? My guy's killing it. Get the renovation done. At the club, and then re-sign. Who came Kenny. up with Ken Ten? I think Jared came up with that last night. So it's not who internal. Else? I, 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 I hold concerns for people who gloat in the t like uh, young Wakeman last night. 
uh, I think Dan Houston, he snapped a kick forward out of the back pocket and uh, Jamara marked it, turned around and kicked the goal. And Waitman was openly laughing into the face of Dan Houston. I've gone, oh, careful what you wish for, mm. son. And Especially moment... when they were three goals down or Correct. two or three goals Did down. Did you see that. it? Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, there's a time and place, young, young Waitman, but not now. Careful gloating <laughs> when you haven't got and the job done. There was a shush last night. But it came yeah, from Jeremy Finlayson, and it was yeah. backed up in the end. But I thought, oh, he's gone the shush. <laughs> and and another one of afterwards too. Uh, so just tidy up the Bontempelli issue for nervy dogs fans at the start. Well, I'd love to be able to put them at ease, but I can't. I okay. can tell you put that them Michael, at ease. Michael Christian is looking at it no. as we speak. I can say that with absolute certainty. So at the close of business today. Only he would know whether Marcus Bontempelli, the dog skipper and Brownlow contender, is going to have a case to answer. But what I would say is he's clearly made contact with Dan Houston. He's a contact primarily to the shoulder, probably. I think, having spoken to people around it, he was waiting for Dan Houston to pick up the ball. And when Dan fumbled the ball, there was a, a split second of what do I do here? He doesn't bump for mine. He doesn't brace for mine. It is essentially a, a clattering of two bodies. How that is going to be interpreted by the MRO... We've got a few more hours to wait. I'll but put him at ease. At it. There's no way he's getting suspended for that because he, it's exactly what you said. He was expecting Houston to pick up the ball. Houston fumbled the ball and he hesitated to try and stop the contact. Yeah, and just because he's looking at it doesn't mean that there's going to be a case to answer. Yep. But I thought we I'll, might have been able to put a line through it this morning and we can't. I'll just put a line through it. We he's not getting suspended for <laughs> that. You said the same about Dan Butler, didn't you? I was wrong on that one. <laughs> <laughs> this one, Bont, Bont cannot... Go for that. No. Well, Con there's... Contact was to the collarbone. That's the doctor yep. came out. I watched the assessment that they that they took, and I don't think the collarbone is not high contact. I'm with you. For the record, I'm with you. I just sticking to the facts. I would have loved to been able to put a line through it for dogs fans listening this morning. The other one, I'll throw this up. I should have mentioned to you that Ollie Wines one where he hit his head on the boundary, and then the doctors reviewed it, went mm. out, spoke to Ollie Wines, and then the doctors like, okay, I, in my opinion, players never say that. It hurt or that he hit his head pretty hard. Yep. And for the fact that the doctor assessed it, ran out there and then didn't bring him off just for a five-minute assessment, is that going to be raised? Far beyond my field of expertise Come here. On, but Sammy. I did see your cameras capture the medicos debating it for quite a while when he was still out there. They'd chatted to him, they'd returned to the bench and you could see them in heavy conversation amongst themselves. I don't know the things that go into but these But that's why of... you have club doctors. Yeah. I mean, you could have, which the AFL say they do now, have somebody sitting in a... a in arbitration, off the off the ground, a medical person who can oversee the match. That's why they don't go out there because the club doctor knows the player, knows when he's banging it on, knows his personality, knows completely what he's capable of. And he would have gone out there and thought, "Yep, there is no discernible change mm. in this man's demeanour, uh, um, his faculties, uh, suffering whatsoever." I, I can see now through just this preliminary, he's got an absolute and full, complete bill of health. I, yeah. I thought if there was any question, they had to bring him off. And what what would be spoken to the player? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm good. Are you concussed? No, I'm fine. No player's going to say, I'm going to go off. Well, if you're feeling okay. But I always had the understanding that if they're going to review it, look at it both doctors, you run out to see how the player is, you have to bring him off. Well, you, you, you never got the doctor come out and he said, how are you? And you, and you say, 
Ooh, that was a little hairy. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> the Friday wrapper is for the Stack Team app, the ultimate in team management. So if there was a quintessential Port Adelaide piece of play, it's when the game is on the line and Willem Drew dives across the boot of Mark mm. and Spontempelli makes a smother. Mackenzie gets the ball to Butters, who does his thing. He breaks the tackle. He weaves inside. He gives it to Drew. Get, they go deep inside 50. Rioli, one-on-one ball comes to ground. And then Horn Francis, who's just all raw power another clean gather left them in his way he dropped three of them and and then straightened up and kicked the goal he burned three off and then uh, but getting the ball and then once he got the ball to straighten up on rails it was amazing that's Port Adelaide but he he didn't even straighten up onto the the preferred foot at that stage the left foot would have been not preferred foot the 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 likely foot to kick on goal he actually had time to straighten up and get onto his dominant foot the right foot against that angle has made a habit has made a habit of this two late in games the pick up, the finish, whether for himself or for others. He did it against the dogs. Yep. I think that shows his confidence. His confidence to be able to, first of all, he started behind other players, other Bulldogs players, but then the confidence to pick up, realise that no one's going to catch me. I can take that extra little bit of time to compose myself and kick on, as you said to him, kick on his preferred foot. You sit back and go... That, that, you're right, Jerry. that sums up their play. But then to have a bloke down there in his second year, he leads the club for clearances, but then to have him rest forward and be able to be as dominant as a forward. Like, mm. And as I said, I, I said this, the St Kilda game, you remind me of Dangerfield, how he can play that dominant, clean clearance burst player. But then when you go forward, you're that worried about him because he can take a big pack mark. He's got athleticism to jump, but then also when the ball hits a deck, he's hard to match up on. So, yeah, once a player can... With hang time, mark the ball above his head, you have to put a certain type of player on him. And those types of players don't grow on trees in back lines. That's your hybrid backman who, who's bordering on key position type player. That action which he ran that semicircle and the turning, the power through that circle of the run was awesome. You'll have knowledge on this. I watched it and went, uh, Taylor DeRay, Doc, I'm like, chase him, Doc. Is he slow off the mark? No, no. What? How could he not? He looked pedestrian. But then, when you're playing against a bloke who's got that much like burst of speed, that was the difference. That that was the difference. Late in the game, obviously, Horn Francis is probably 13 years younger than Taylor Jura at this stage. I think there were some petrol tickets. Yeah. Expended oh, too I, by I that point. Caleb was, Daniel was he, gassed. Yeah, he looked like he was at 60 yeah. percent, and yeah. he was, and he was running on the E10 fuel. <laughs> He just looked awful. Are we sure Zach Butters weighs 77 kilos? (laughs) I'm not even sure he's that. But I'll tell you, the guy throws himself around like a pinball. His appetite for the physical has really struck me. And the verbal too last night. He was... Libba went to him, and it was game on. I could not take my eyes off that matchup all game. He did say after the game, he goes, Libba's pretty good on the lips, so he makes you lift your game in that area as well. Yeah. <laughs> he looked like he really enjoyed he it, did. though, Zach Butters, didn't But he? one uh, thing you know about a Rosie and a Butters and a Horn Francis, as young as they are, they're not going to take a backward step. Like, if someone like a Libba who's... Like, you look at Libba, he's got tats all over the place. He's angry. He has a fair crack at the football. If he comes at a young person, normally they'll take a backward step or will just be a little bit hesitant. They've gone straight back at him. Yeah, that was a great match. They've had a great game too, but geez, Zach Butters, what a, what a performance. You mentioned Willem Drew smothering that ball. We have the notion, the old adage of, you know, when they've got the ball, how good are we as a team? Just to feed back into our call on, you know, the, the Butler tackle, when the opposition have the team, you have to be rabid to try and take it away from them. And the players who are rabid for the tackle, like Butler, 
they now have to temper themselves. If this goes the way we are thinking it's going to go, they are going to have to actually ease back a little bit on how rabid they are, even though they feel like they're playing inside the rules of the game. And that is a seismic shift, I believe, in what will be the mindset for the players in the teams that are very good when they don't have the football. All right. That's going to be our bigger conversation yeah. when we come to it at 12. Scott Lysette was such a big feature last night. As this looks, Port's biggest deficiency looked like the ruck in, in the midst of this streak. They were rucking with Tickle. Lysette was out of form. He sort of returned and you went, gosh, he's just a blunt instrument now. Mm. But set the challenge. So he's had very good weeks. And then set the challenge of the all-Australian ruckman. He intimidated him. He manhandled him. And he beat him cold. This, I think that mindset started from last week when they uh, subbed Lysett off at, during the third quarter and they knew because he was coming up against English this week it was going to be a big contest and they needed him to run out the game. But it was an old school game of football. It was this Ruckman who isn't going to be able to run around with English. It was about being physical, being a brute and just using your size to your advantage. And you go through English who is touted to be the All-Australian. Lysett had 43 hitouts compared to English's 20. During the second quarter, even early into the third, English had two or three touches. Like he just had no impact in and around the ground. And Lysette was continued to battle. And as the game unfolded, English got a little bit more of the ball. But the damage had been done. Uh, and you, you sort of sit back. And for a bloke who got dropped seven, eight weeks ago, he, he's played a month of footy. He came back in against Melbourne where he had the two twin towers against Melbourne and then Nan Curves against Richmond. So he's built up for this game. And whenever there's a challenge set for him, it looks like he's responded from that dropping that, that Ken gave him. It's funny, when you look at them out in the ground and, and, yeah, we get to go out, we have had the opportunity in the past to go out and play against these types of blokes. Some days when they're playing well, they just look really big. For some reason, he just looked overpowering last night. He looked big. He looked physically big. And he, and just when he's able to stand on the centre line, step over and engage English, so English loses that little run the ups and the and the reach, he just looked physically dominant against him. And that's playing to your strengths as well. So, yeah, very clever, clever start to the game, clever game. And we, we talk about coaches' votes, uh, and Butters has had coaches' votes nine the last nine games. He's definitely going to get some for tomorrow, but it'll be interesting to see where you had Lysett rated in that. Butters is obviously going to be one or two because Ken said that he's going to be in the top couple. But how much did he value Lysett's game? Because straight after, as soon as that siren went, first person he walked up to was Lysett, gave him a big cuddle. And, and his he... post-match press conference as well. I think if you're going to take anything from that is that he'll feature heavily in the coaches' votes. Yeah, he was enormous. He was Can enormous. I ask, does does Jonas get back in? Well, the captain because can't, yeah, the captain I reckon can't... Bergman, who's kind of playing that role, is very quick in recovery once the ball's spoiled and hits the deck, his recovery is really good. And they therefore he gives them a little bit of pace away from what would have been a mid-size to key position contest in the air. Ball hits the ground and he tends to be a little quicker than his opposition. Tommy Jonas is not going to give him that. He was a wonderful competitor and he'll do all and say all the right things and he's fantastic in that regard. But on a pure nuts and bolts, needs for basis I, I i'm looking at the, the the culprits who might make way for him it's probably bergman in the back line and even then he might just end up on a wing 
Um, but he's a good-sized Bergman, and as I say, he's got really good recovery. I can't see him going out for Tom Jonas. Mm. They've had a charm run with injury too, it must be said. But, gee, they were tall last night too. So you think Scotty Lysa plays, but then Dixon, Marshall, Finlayson as well. And, but it worked. And then down back, Aaliyah. I mean, I'd, I'd be smiling all match too if I was playing like Aaliyah Aaliyah. What a star he is. And Mackenzie works. And if they do acquire someone like Ben Mackay in the off-season, which it sounds as though they will, the industry awash with that conversation at the moment, then that spells further trouble for, I suppose, Tom Jonas's spot in the side. You, you spoke about that, but Bergman's got that flexibility as well. He can squeeze up to a wing. They're, what they've got in this Port Adelaide team is they've got people who can play in three or four different positions, where Jonas, if he comes in, he's probably got that lockdown defender Behind role. The footy. Yeah. But then you look, go through the blokes... Houston, he's been so good with his drive off half back. You got Jones, who's a powerful he? beast, who he can good. take that contested mark. But also last week, the speed he showed running off the half back line was was really good. So you sort of feel for the captain. But there's a number of blokes playing good football. Burton didn't play last night, so he's still in the mix for that similar role to, to Jonas. So Port. Ten in a row, equal top at the moment with Collingwood. Pending what happens on Monday, you've sat on boards. Dermot is. Port Adelaide started with their conversation for August to nullify all the the <laughs> weekly questions. Excellent strategy. Doesn't always work. Good strategy. Um, because they wanted to give Ken the room to coach to see if the team could actually be what it was going to be or whether he would fail the exam and it would just answer itself as time went on. They they have their answer now. Because yeah. this is a team not only for the now but for the next few years. And they are Kenny's boys. You couldn't make the you couldn't make the case that Ken's ever coached better than this. So you can go 11 years is a long time or you can go actually he's just reaching the peak of his powers now. Do you revisit it at the bye? You're probably obligated to given that that was your statement earlier. And boards are weird weird places and I, I must say you've got his laugh. I must say when I've been on boards and people say oh we need to renegotiate I used to say why? Who's grabbing them? <laughs> There's only 17 other suitors and 15 of them are locked up, and the other two want somebody else. Why do we have to be forced by the media to make this call now? But if they've made that call, they probably will visit it. Break it down. If you look at a coach's box and the roles within that little society... You sort of think of, of the senior coach, if he sits up in the box, viewing the ground, he's master of strategy, put the player on the phone when they come off, so there's not eye-to-eye -eye contact, there's still verbal contact. But he is the master of the strategy, and then he will control the breaks, half-time, three-quarter time, and post-game. When a coach goes to the bench it seeds that master of strategy position to others in the coaching box. And he then is the player responsible for, I want another word than welfare, but the, the player mindset, the player, um, if a player comes off and he's done something, culpability, he is the, the person who looks after that. But he's actually seeded that, strategy position elsewhere. So you, you do look at it differently then in in terms of is this the absolute, complete and absolute coach? Because what you've got is a really good person who's emotional with the group. So that does change your mindset a little. Doesn't mean you go in a totally different direction. You might just keep 
what appears to be, yes, the same course, but it does change the way you balance the situation. Do you think Ken's the coach of Port Adelaide next year? Yes. Do you think Ken's the coach of Port Adelaide next year? Yep. Do you think Port think Ken's the coach of Port Adelaide next year? I don't know how you can say no to either of those questions. If I'm ten in a row, it, well, I think that's you're spot on. What you said at the start is they gave, they said August because it gives him time to coach and there's no pressure. Now that they've won ten in a row, there's it's clear, and they're not just going to get to August and say, "Do we start negotiating?" They're talking now. I've got no doubt they're talking now, getting things organised, years, money. So then when it might get late July, they said, "We well, know we've, we've been talking about it for a month. Here's the contract. This is what we're doing." What if Richmond will reach out? No. If you're if you're Ken no, Hinkley, does that force Port Adelaide to? Then surely it, it would. I reckon if you're Port Adelaide, you're sitting there going, "He's not going anywhere." This is a bloke who has gone through 11 years as a coach. You've got this team to be as entertaining, energetic, play for you for this whole time, and he's had a lot of pressure on him. Why would you pack up and go to another club who's rebuilding after because, putting 11 years? Because the margin for error will be greater at a club like Richmond than it will be at Port Adelaide. He, Coaches coach to win premierships. He's got this team in a situation sitting equal first right now until Collingwood plays, playing as good a football as any other club in the competition. There's no way he's going to pack up. Unless Port mm. say you don't have a contract, Ken will be there next year. He's not going to pack up and give up 11 years of trying to win a premiership with that football club Agreed. to go to another one. But can I, can, can that, I chip in there? Can, do, and it's not to take it in another it's a pre, uh, preliminary question. Do you think Richmond are rebuilding? I think with a new coach, yes. Okay. Because I would have thought that if you're looking for a new coach of Richmond, if they don't go with what they've got, I don't think you recruit, recruit, purchase a new coach and bring him in to sit on your bench if you you are still in the window of success, if you believe maybe a couple of top-ups or... So that's why I was asking about the rebuild. I don't think if you are a team which is poised, ready to strike you recruit or you go out and purchase a coach who sits on the bench. You want a master of strategy in that when, when you're in that phase. Are you going to be devil's advocate? Well, I was in the sense that if if devil's advocate <laughs> layer over this, and it is a doomsday scenario, but if, if things don't work out and we nosedive at Port Adelaide in the next year or two, there's a very big difference in Ken's prospects there as opposed to regardless of where he finishes at Richmond. So if you're interested, I know, but if you're interested in being a career coach and you're getting potentially a five-year deal at a club like Richmond as opposed to a, a two- or three-year extension with a potentially a trapdoor at Port Adelaide, oh. would you be – you've got to think like this. No, this you don't. No, as, if, you're, if you're in a position of leadership, you don't think about Doomsday a glass-half-empty situation. You think about, hey, what happens if we win the next two flags? I signed for another five years. You don't sit there – about to renegotiate, thinking, what if we go bad? I We're admit, sitting here. I think the in a row does make it difficult to accept that argument. You're selling club loyalty and you're selling oh, commitment damn, you to know, your players and the like. You, you can't up and go you to can't another tell team. Me. Hey, well, Chris Scott was thinking that before they won the premiership and he put it on the record. So <laughs> they think about it. Don't worry. Yeah, but Chris Scott had already won a premiership. Ken has given 11 years to this football club for no premierships. And he's sitting here right now going, I've got this young crop. And it's not a crop that maybe finish in two or three years. The, the blokes that we've spoken about consistently to get him that is 
19 years of age and a couple of 23-year-olds who are going to lead this football club. Don't look at me like that. You scare, <laughs> you scare me when you look at me like and that. And this is the point. is This is not the end of a phase. This is the beginning yeah. yes. of a phase for Port Adelaide. And that's why I think the scenario is totally different for the club than what they feared it might have been at the start of the year, yeah. where it was coming to an end. Is This is the bright new beginning. Is their, their next three years, well, you can map those out now and go, this, I just think... You sign Ken for three years at the bye, and you go, hey, you passed the exam. We're away here. Let's become the full, powerful force that we think we are. Well, we let's, said let's after go. the round four when we were in Adelaide, and we, we actually spoke about it. We said, this is now Rosie Butters yeah. and Horn Francis. It's not Dixon Boken Wines anymore, is it? Correct. Mm. And let's be honest, they're talking behind what the they scenes. Do. There's no doubt. They're, they are talking behind the scenes. I'm His not management. Sure that they are. I don't think they no. are. Reckon? No. That's all. I think the nothing. buy is important. Hodgie, nothing has happened. <laughs> okay, they beat you along next week. They're talking over the buy and they <laughs> make a decision very quickly. I think they're talking over the buy. <laughs> the Friday night wrap for the Stack Team app. Stay ahead of the game with your own team management app. Download Stack Team app now. We're going to talk the heel, just dig deep into the Bulldogs with Dermot Burton, or could we be in better hands? And Luke Hodge can chime in there as well. But as we head to the break for Lux's greats, the leaders in customizable aluminium drainage, the highlight of last night. A great play from Friday Night Footy for Lux's greats. The leaders in aluminium drainage, UV stable, rust proof and customizable on site. Lux's greats, distributed Australia wide. Kicks for Rioli, one-on-one deep, tumbles to ground with his opponent, Duray. Ball loose underneath, Liam Jones slapped it away. Horn Francis onto it, busted away, steady, straighten and goal! What a touch of class from Jason Horn Francis. Zach Butters daring, thrilling footy. Willem Drew assisted him every step of the way. The steadier for Ports. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. And, and that over the last few weeks, we've been challenged by three pretty good teams. And, uh, and we've worn it, you know. So it just means that we're... Um, below the, the upper rung at the moment and uh, and we've got to keep pursuing trying to get up there, you can improve in this game in a very short space of time and uh, I believe in our guys and I think we can find those increments The Bulldogs now 7-6, and six. that's Luke Beveridge in the post game last night, the three losses have been Gold Coast, Geelong and Port Adelaide Crunch time is for Azito Powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. Dermot Burton and Luke Hodge. Uh, give us your thoughts on the dogs, not just last night, but their overall placing and prospects. Uh, what I've noticed with them is you, you see the teams that are playing well, they've got consistency in their side, uh, same plays. What I've found with the dogs is their back six has changed every week. If you look at who came in or who was out on the weekend, O'Brien, Gardner, Richards did his hamstring. Keith come back in, Bruce came back in. That's one thing is if you need a six on the ground to be stable and have the same players playing week in, week out, it's normally your back six that you need. And that's one thing that Bebo can't find, whether it's through injury or form, he can't find a consistent back six, which you can see at times it's frustrating because they're letting through goals that, that they shouldn't be doing as a top four, top eight kind of team. 
I was concerned last night that they've got pace out of their back line. They threw, what's the young kid, Vandermeer down there on the halfback flank, and he gave them some mm. outward running pace. But they looked cumbersome when the ball was on the deck and in the 50. They looked like they could be scored against at ground level. Um, and, and admittedly, you got Liam Jones, who actually is quite dexterous and, and quite agile for a, a big guy, 199 centimetres or so. But then you put Keithy in there and then you've got Joshy Bruce in there. I mean, there was one stage just before three-quarter time. Joshy Bruce got tackled in the goal square and he had one arm pinned and the, the umpire just must have not given the free kick because he felt sorry for him. He just got taken to ground and he gave him an eternity. And then another time, Bruce, he went, dropped the low incoming ball and he's a wonderful player and competitor and but throwing him down back and then he just got gobbled up in the tackle that was in the first quarter they just look cumbersome at ground level for the a team which can get about and find avenues to goal once if it's not marking the ball I yeah had some concerns for them they did really well at stoppage um which which should play into the forwards' hands, but they weren't able to capitalise on that to a winning score either, uh, a winning total either. But yeah, there's some issues with that for for dominance in the midfield like they have. Uh, they only went inside fifty fifty one times. So, and I look at the handball happy, and I know that's the way they play. It's, Take it from the inside, get it to the outside by a chain of quick handballs. But you know, the, the natural enemy of of chain handballs is the tackle. And if you've got a team as good at tackling at Port as Port Adelaide are, that's the natural enemy playing against your natural game. And so uh, they're not the most difficult team in the world to work out. I still think they've got the best midfielder in the comp, Bonton Pelly. But they have to find someone capable of being a three-goal forward each week rather than a small forward who tends to kick goals by taking a mark, Wake, Wakeman or getting a free kick. And another question, it's <laughs> another conversation. So there's issues they have across the board. Are they a good team? Yes, they're a good team, but they're far off being a competitor for the top two. You'd, so, want, you'd want them to get more bang for buck for the dominant dominance around the midfield. Like 16 they, were, they won clearance ball. Plus 16. 16. You go into, as you said, for, for, to have three less inside Ford 50s. I know they're playing against Port Adelaide who are more of a kick team who they Eight get ground. it and they, yeah. very direct. It was but, the turnover game for me. I mean, there were some bad... T- I think it was 60 points scored from turnover and maybe six goals not, from the not, back half of Port Adelaide. Nine goals, eight from turnover. Nine goals, eight from turnover. So there were some really bad turnovers that Luke Beveridge bemoaned in the aftermath as well. So for all their grunt, all their grit, and you're going to have some really bad turnovers in your forward half too. A team like Port Adelaide, that's not what... You don't want to give the ball back to them. They're as good as any in transition and run and spread, and they made them pay every time. And yet, having said all of that... Incident with Oscar Baker with five minutes left. If that goal is paid to Cody Waitman, they're eight points down with five minutes left and with a fair bit of momentum too. That was a, boy, that was That's a right. teacher's like, Western Border, they, they've got the team that when they charge like they did early in that last quarter, like their first 15 minutes of that last quarter would have broken 75% of the teams in the AFL and they would have kicked multiple goals in that time. Port Adelaide obviously got a very stable defence. Mm. You're, you're right. For them to be within eight points, if that goal goes through, if they had all the momentum and then... Fling down the other end, um, Port Adelaide get the goal, jumps back out to 20 points. It's uh, It sort of leaves 
Bevo in that frustrate, as all coaches are. When you see a game where you lose by a few goals, but there's so many mistakes that you've mm. made that you could be better in that area. Roughly it's, double inside 50 tackles in favour of Port Adelaide. So you've got a forward line with, at most times, like 80% of the game time, you, you've got Lobb, Norton, Eugle Hagen, uh, McRae for last night, which, yeah, is a weird one. West and Waitman in the forward half. Now, Waitman should be the one who's capable of chasing and tackling, but it just didn't work out that they could hold that ball in. Yeah, so they, that 51 inside 50s from a plus 16 mm. clearance aspect, uh, you should get repeat entries if you can hold the ball in. Repeat That should blow out to high 50s, but they just can't hold it in. Once, once you are that... I won't say top-heavy, but these boys, in your mind's eye, have you ever seen Rory Lobb chase down the tackle? You know, Jamari Eugle, if they're there and they come past them in traffic, yeah, they'll tackle. But you don't see them put pressure holding the ball in. And they're good players, but you just have to have a concern for the way that you want to play. You're conceding the fact that you're not going to get repeat entries by pressure. Worry about their two back flankers that they're missing too, because just because when they were absolutely humming, they were key, weren't they? Ed Richards and Jason Johannesson. So you lose one for a few months, that's bad. Then Ed Richards follows that as well. They're hard guys to replace, aren't they? And Johannesson's still six weeks away yeah. with that tendon issue. So he's been out for three already, but he's six or possibly and seven. He'd, he'd wound the clock right back, I thought, earlier this year. He was back to his best in that position, and Ed Richards has really come on as a player. So they're, they're hard guys to replace. Yeah, Richards was a massive... I, I'm, you still need to see more. Uh, we know what Johannesson's capable of, but the distance between his best last time and his goodish, well, quite good this time, is a massive trough over the years. And I think against the good good guys, they're going to exploit that again. So are they destined to finish between fifth and ninth and not trouble the premiership contenders in your mind? Yes, and they'll beat ten to eighteen. They'll beat all of those. They might have one slip up there, but they ain't beating anyone above six. That's the hardest thing with doggies is can you count them off though? Yeah. Because of that midfield, if they have that dominant midfield, they they can turn and they can beat a top eight team. Like they beat they beat the Lions in round three. Granted, the Lions weren't didn't play great footy that day, but they still are capable of beating a top four team. But every it, year, it, the first three games we get huge upsets, which have yeah. no relevance to the rest of the season. But that's what I'm saying. When you've got a midfield as capable as what the Bulldogs is. Like you can't count yeah, them out, but, that but the true. likelihood of them finishing that five to nine and not having an impact in finals is more likely. But you still, when you got Bont, Trelaw, um, McRae, Smith, all through English, like that, that's a pretty dominant midfield who can get enough ball to go inside Ford Fifty. They just need that forward line to be a bit more consistent. That's so, frustration. But, that, yeah, that they, they are eternally frustrating now. Their best is good enough, I reckon. Like They had Port Adelaide at three-quarter time over there and succumbed in the last. Their best is good enough to contend, but it's proven so elusive both to get their best personnel on the park and their best performances in, in real time has proven elusive. But they, I reckon it's there. They're a good team. There's just other teams that are better. better. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's why I say they are Maybe we the, the, heel, the, the best heel in the league. <laughs> yep. they, they will give you really credible wins if you are a top four team. That free kick was no good. 
That was no good. The, the one thing you would say is that he didn't push him either. So you think, God, he's stiff because he's bumped him. And you have to basically assault someone on the goal line <laughs> to, to give away a free in that situation. I think I've seen one paid this no, year. But ball but was already through. The one thing, though, he just could have looked at the ball and just maybe disguised it a bit more. He had his, if you look at it, he had his eyes on the player. And you Sammy. Think it just gave the umpire a chance. Uh, the umpire wanted to blow the whistle. That's all it was. It just gave the umpire a chance to blow the whistle. I've, if he just disguised it a bit more, put his eyes up, I've put seen his blokes arms up. run through blokes on the, yeah. on the goal line. And you sit here and go, that was actually, that's close to being booked for charging. As I said. And they let it go. And this one here was a good old-fashioned shepherd. You have to commit grand theft order. And for the situation situation of the game as well, bring it back to eight points. You just felt that just the energy go out. And and then they go down and kick a goal up the other end. You sit back and go, just could he have let that go? It was just the wrong call. I don't care whether that it's was in the, the first quarter of the game. It's, it's, that, that's just the wrong call. We don't. That doesn't get. If so, if that is correct, then there were sixty so far this year that have been incorrect. Yeah. If that's, that's the first quarter, you know. he doesn't. He does not pay that in the first quarter because of the the pressure, the the build up, and the the that stage of the game. He felt, oh, that's a block. I've I've got to call it. Shouldn't he have been closer to the action? Then we've got four now. He's meant to be very close to get that right. I don't know whether the fours helped on that front. Uh, Darcy Byrne-Jones, Port Adelaide Vice Captain. They've just landed back in Adelaide, so he's going to join us next on Crunch Time. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. Port Adelaide by 22 points last night. They've just arrived back in Adelaide. Crunch time is for Zito powering DIYs all day, every day at Bunnings. The vice-captain Darcy Byrne-Jones is with us on Crunch Time. Darcy, congratulations on last night. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it was a good good win and a, a tough game, but, um, yeah, really happy to get the win. Ten in a row. What what <laughs> great momentum you have, Darcy. Yeah, yeah. It's been, um, yeah, I guess one and two. Um, three rounds in, we probably didn't think we'd win the next 10, but it's been a good ride. and um, You know, we're playing some consistent footy, which is really pleasing. Darcy, how much of this is talent-driven and how much is do you put it down to this is a team just busting everything they can to to play out this sport, play out this game, dispossess the opposition, just all those hard things? Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, it's probably a balance of both. I mean, we've got some really talented guys going through our midfield at the moment and they're playing some really good footy, but um, they're also doing those things you said. You know, they're they're defending really hard. They're putting a lot of pressure on and then that, the talent's coming out after they do those things. So, um, you know, they're, they're playing both ways. They're defending really hard and, um, you know, attacking really hard the other way as well. So you've been in the caper for 10 years or so now. Is this the best Port Adelaide team you think you've played in? Um, oh, it's, it's a tough question. You know, we finished on top of the ladder um, in 2020, I think it was, and we are playing some good foot again as well. But, um, you know, th- this period we've put together, it just feels like we're playing really cohesive um, footy and um, there's no egos out there. Everyone's playing for the team. So, um, you know, where that takes us at the end of the year, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, it fe- feels like we're in a really good spot. So, that 2020 team, which finished on top, didn't win 10 in a row, but is there any difference between, you just mentioned we're playing some good, really good team footy and there's no egos. Is there any difference between that team and, and this team right now? I'm trying to find something that we, we might say this team can go further. 
Yeah, I think we're playing a little bit of a different brand of footy. Um, you know, probably taking more metres with our handball going forward and um, we're not possessing the ball in our, in our back half as much. You know, we're taking the ball forward a little bit quicker. So um, I feel like that's challenging um, opposition defences a little bit more and, um, you know, we're able to get pressure on the opposition because the ball's getting in there quick. So um, probably playing... Yeah, like I said, a different brand and, and we've got a different midfield mix at the minute with Zach and Connor and, and Jason in there as well. So, um, you know, that, that always helps when those guys are playing well. Darcy, looking at last night, Tim English, uh, he's touted as the uh, the All-Australian Ruckman. How much did Ken put it on Lysett to try and nullify him? Because looking at the game, I thought he was as influential as any of your players last night. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's good. Um, he's been really, really strong for us the last few weeks since he's came back into the side. And, um, you know, we put an emphasis on, you know, Timmy English has been one of the best players in the competition this year. So, um, yeah, we put an emphasis on um, trying to nullify him as much as possible. And, and Scoot did a really good job at that. And um, I think he had help from, from everyone out there um, during the game as well. So um, it was certainly some, something we focused on and, and Scoot's doing a really good job for us, yeah. And your role, mate, you've uh, obviously been in the defence for the last few years, having the change to, to push in the forward line, put forward pressure on with, obviously, your tackle pressure last night, but also being able to hit the scoreboard over the last five or six weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a change-up. Um, you know, I played all my footy um, throughout my whole life as a defender, and, um, you know, things weren't going too well for me down there at the start of the year, so I was, you know, lucky enough, I guess, to... Um, to have a crack up forward and, yeah, just trying to put as much pressure on and, and, you know, get up and down the ground and help defend and, yeah, hopefully, you know, snag a couple of goals every now and then and, um, you know, help us score. It's been, it's been a different role, but I'm really enjoying it. That's a, it's a big change after doing no pre-season with the forwards to be able to get thrown in there and have an impact. Who did you speak to, either players or coaches, to help with that new new role? Um, you know, Chad Corns is our forward coach. He's been really, really helpful. Um, he coached me in the back line last year as well. So, um, you know, we already had a strong relationship there. And, um, you know, lucky lucky I've got guys like Sam Power Pepper. Um, Jed McEntee's doing a really good job as well um, as a, a young sort of underrated player, I think. And um, Junior Rioli's come in and, and, you know, done some special things as well. So um, we've got a good group down there and it's really enjoyable to play with them, which makes things a, a lot easier. Darcy, it's Sam Edmund here. Appreciate your time this morning. I wanted to talk tackling with you, actually. So most tackles on the ground last night, I think you had 10, three more than the next best. So tackling and the dangerous tackles obviously been a talking point all season thus far. There was an AFL memo sent during the week around what is allowed as opposed to what isn't. Will you step through that? And, and do you feel as we sit here right here right now that you have absolute clarity on the right way to tackle and what you should and shouldn't do? Yeah, it's a tough one. We, I actually didn't see the, the AFL memo, so I'm not sure what was in that. But, you know, I think I guess the onus is on the, the tackler now to um, ensure that there's no injury. Um, there's no, you know, contact to the head. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one because, you know, you, you play your whole junior career and, and up until now, um, tackles that were considered to be good tackles are, you know, getting people suspended. So, um, you know, it's, it's a tough one. Um yeah, I'm not really sure sure really what to do um, about it, apart from you know just trying to protect the head and 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 yeah, not you know finish people off into the ground as much as you can, I guess.
Yeah, yeah. So only a three-man leadership group at your club, yourself, Ollie Wines, and the captain, Tom Jonas. So as someone who deals with Tom as regularly as you, can I ask, for lack of a better phrase, how he's holding up? I mean, as the captain, when you're not playing, that can't be easy for him, I'd imagine. No, I mean, you know, Tom's a really proud guy and he's been a um, really strong, influential person, player and leader for us for a long time. So, um you know, he's doing his best to find find his best form um, and get back in the side. And um, he's going to be an important player for us for the rest of the year. And um, he's already an important person. So um, I'm sure he's going to find his best and um, stick at it and, and find himself back in the team in, in a short period of time. Darcy, it's great to have you with us. Uh, well done on what's, uh, what's proving a, a tremendous season. We'll see you on Thursday night. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Darcy Byrne-Jones, the vice-captain of Port Adelaide. So that leadership group, Tom Jonas, who's out at the moment, Darcy Byrne-Jones, who was dropped earlier in the mm. year, and Ollie Wines, uh, it's, it, it has materially shifted away from them, which is part of the Port Adelaide story amazing. Uh, that is taking shape in 2023. We are going to uh, expand out into that tackling conversation. Interesting to hear that's not shown the memo. So what's the purpose of it if you're not going to show the players? Crunch time next. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. The Round 13 edition of Crunch Time. Port Adelaide over the Western Bulldogs last night. St Kilda beat Sydney on Thursday night to start the round. And a couple of big occasions to come at the MCG. Carlton and Essendon tomorrow night. And then the climax of it when Melbourne and Collingwood meet in the King's birthday encounter on Monday. Crunch Time with Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Dermot Brereton and Luke Hodge. The big news of the week for Repco Authorised Service for expert car service you can rely on. Book online at repcoservice.com. There's no question that the, the dangerous tackle has been the most combustible repeating issue of the season. We have had 19 suspensions and two players have managed to overturn their bans at the tribunal. And then Dan Butler with the rundown tackle on Nick Blakey on Thursday night has the, the debate spinning as fierce as it has done at any stage. And it's a, it'll be a blockbuster night on Tuesday night to see where the game finds itself with the dangerous tackle at the moment. So, Sam Edmund, just set the parameters for us, if you will. Well, firstly, St Kilda haven't formally announced that they will appeal, but they definitely will. So this is going to go the full distance. This is going to go to the tribunal, and who knows what happens after that. It was always going to be the case for mine that Michael Christian was going to cite him. He just had to cite him. History was our indicator there, and it was always going to be careless. It was always going to be medium, and it was always going to be high because his head hits the turf. That equates to a one-match ban. Uh, interesting umpire Mike's picking up Butler in the aftermath as well, saying, I didn't sling him. He was aghast. The football Ball world's aghast. The Saints are aghast. I thought it was going to melt down there for a period of time. The question is, is there a duty of care? Or even, as we saw with Rory Laird and Adam Chera, is there, particularly with Rory Laird, is there that split second duty of care? So those people arguing, what else is he supposed to do? Was there any duty of care shown towards Nick Blakey at all? So is it Adam Chera on Tomicky where no arms were pinned? and he was let off. Is it Rory Laird split second, as I say, duty of care on Lockie Neal when only one arm was pinned? Or is it like Luke Parker on Sam Walsh and all the others before who have tried and failed to avoid suspension? The memo and the example shown by the AFL, the more I look at that, 
the more I look at what's gone and what's failed and what's succeeded in the past this year, the more I come back to thinking that Dan Butler's in a little bit of trouble here. So I think it's very close to the Brad Close chase down tackle on Jordan Dawson, yep. which uh, I think most of us felt would get off at the tribunal but failed, and that was where the chairman was at his most strident. And, and he read his verdict, and then he repeated it for absolute clarity around the pinning of the arm. So the two areas for St Kilda to zero in on is, did Butler have that split second of care that fulfills his duty? That's hard to see. Did he have the arm pinned, or did he release in a manner that Dawson might, that um, Blakey might have been it's, able to protect himself? It's very hard to see in the last frame whether he lets go or not. It's very hard in all of the camera angles I've seen. Now, for the most part, the best I can tell is definitely um, the right arm is pinned, and his landing arm, which from memory is his left arm, he's pinned him at the bicep, and his forearm's free. So it's right in the margins in terms of the arm being pinned. Is there a driving motion as signalled by the umpire in real time here? It's not a double action. It's not a sling. Is it a drive into the turf, which is written explicitly into the tribunal guidelines for dangerous tackles, rough conduct? A player must not be driven into the turf. I think that's the... He, he did drive him into the turf, but that's the hardest thing about being a football in today's game is he's running with momentum, with intent to tackle. Yep. So it's momentum that's driven him into the ground, but there is force. And I think that's the thing that they looked at is, is there force of the player driving him into the ground? And there is. So this is where you sit back and go, how hard is the game? But is there grounds to get him off? You sit back and scratch your head and go, as much as we want him to get off, I can't see that happening. Uh, and they will challenge. And unfortunately, I can't see him getting off because of how firm the AFL has been with the driving of players' heads, bodies into the ground. You're going to think I'm weird. Well, you do think I'm weird, but yes, yeah, no, we do. That, <laughs> does the fact that Blakey has an exceptionally long neck play into this at all? I mean, well, I heard not no many shoulder. people. Hey, if not Tom many Hickey's, people. Tom Hickey's hair can be discussed. Then I'm sure uh, well, uh, Nick Blakey's well, body. If I don't think I'd lead with it when I went to the tribunal. I don't think I'd lead with that. <laughs> if you could get it in there somewhere, but Gladstone I don't think I'd start small with it. And you put him shoulder first. His head ain't hitting the ground. I'm not sure they're going to ask you to defend him on Tuesday night, Tim, if that's going to be your lead no. argument. But, okay. And that's hard. You sort of sit back and go, in our mind, that's a really good tackle. Like, it's a chase-down, hard-fought tackle. But how the AFL and how the tribunal are now grading it, any force that you put a player into the ground and his head hits the ground, which clearly he does... <laughs> I've got some sympathy for Dan, oh, but this, no, no, is, this is the beauty of wrong. the game. Like, we've got today, sympathy for him. There's 100% we've got sympathy, but I just can't see... Talking about lawyers getting off cases, I can't see how they can argue their way out of this because just, everything they tick against it, unfortunately, it goes for him mm. getting a week. I'm not uh, look, look, to be completely serious about this. Yes, he did take him to the ground. I'm not so sure he drove him into the ground. So I freeze framed it on the end there, and this is not great radio because I'm showing a photo. Everyone's been doing the same thing, though. Yes. So I reckon you can play along at I home. I don't reckon he forcefully thrusts him into the ground with venom. The momentum is going to take him to ground when you tackle from behind. He does turn him sideways. It's a shoulder strike on the ground first, and it's there, thereafter it's the whip of the neck. But he's released his body off completely, not completely, it's not completely on uh, Blakey when there is the strike on the ground. I reckon he's taken him to ground, but I don't reckon the venom to drive him into the grounds there. I think he's he's really stiff, but I, I agree with you. In this climate and what we've seen, he's probably going to get suspended. And the one person who sits there 
and would applaud the action is Rossline would have looked at that and thought, that is what I want. That's a run-down, chase-down tackle to hold the ball in. He'd be as bewildered as anyone just because this is going to be totally tried on result. I, th- I think why it's such a hot point as well, Jared, is you think about what's going to get people going here this afternoon for this game, right? A, a goal gets people excited more than anything. I reckon a close second is a rundown tackle from behind. People love it. It's a great part of the game to see one of your guys nail the other guy in a rundown when he looks like well, he's it's out. Like the villain sneaking yeah. into the scene, isn't yeah, it? But, right. but even Butler's reaction to once he did the tackle, he's heard the whistle. He's got up. He's walked back to take the free kick, thinking holding the ball. He's pumped. He's actually given him a little shove afterwards. Yeah, he's as well. thinking this is a perfect tackle, chase down tackle. I got a free kick. We're going to go back inside Ford fifty. And then the look of his face on his face was, hang on, that's well, that's. Jared mentioned Brad Close. The look on his face was one of shock as well in the middle of GMH Bear Stadium when he laid that tackle on Jordan Dawson. Jared, we had that discussion the other night after the game we were calling, and that is, when you're playing league footy, you. you, you you, you get the ball, your team's got it. You still have to commit some physical attributes to win the ball, to keep the ball, to use the ball. The hardest thing you have to reach in terms of reaching your players is to get them to commit to an action where they don't have the ball, when they're trying to dispossess the opposition. And you must be, at league standard, because players travel so fast, you must be completely and utterly committed to the chase in a robust fashion. And yet we're asking players... So the the chase down takes three seconds. The action of the tackle takes less than a full second. Yep. So we're asking him to be in complete and absolute full throttle legal aggression robust mode to tackle. And we're asking him at the last half second, ease back on that. Otherwise, but we've you're seen in them trouble. do it. We've seen them do it though. Yeah, but that, I think the different ones are is it, when you're when you've got someone braced and you've got your two feet on the ground and you put him into the ground. We've seen players start to change. This one here, he had, as Derm said, it was a split second. A chase down tackle to try and stop your momentum and the force after giving everything you possibly can. So, are we asking too much of the players? I 100% understand when you've got your two arms or two feet on the ground, you've got them both pinned, stopping that dump tackle. Yes, the players have to stop that. But this action here is so hard going at full pace in a split second to stop the momentum of driving into so the ground. If he chases him down as such, and we start to say, well, there's a duty of care on the tackler to not go through and, and make this a forceful hit on the ground. We're asking him to let him go. And if he holds on to that ball and the tackle is let go, it's play on. Yeah, I'd, I think the players are better than that. And I think all the examples that were sent through, I don't think we're asking him to let him go. The game is asking him not to finish with his head in the turf. So that's on you in your approach and your tackle in how you go. And the argument would come back at you, it's impossible to tackle him from that angle and not have a product like a head hitting the turf. So I think we'll learn how far we've come. So in 2021, Mitch Duncan was run Mm. down by Nick Holman from behind. He was left concussed. It was a two-week suspension. It went to the tribunal and it got overturned. Um, Because at that stage, uh, we were prepared to accept that Holman at full throttle, he ran past a player to get to him. He lays the tackle. He tumbles him forward, head into the ground, and left him with concussion. MRO goes, that's a two-week suspension. Tribunal goes, no, we're not prepared to wear that as a suspension at this stage. I think that's got a lot of similarities to what's happened here. Well, that's the precedent. No, we're two years on. Mm. 
and we're 19 suspensions on this year. There was outrage back in the that 20, too. Yeah, back in the 2021 example, we, we all thought that that should have been not guilty and it came back as not guilty. I wonder where we are two years further on this. Is hard, this. This, this is the hardest one to judge. All the other ones are a lot clearer, whether it's a dump or pinning, out, pinning an arm. This one with the momentum is the hardest ones to judge and to sort of find out where their mindset is. Because after this, if they're going to suspend him, a lot of players are going to be, well, what's the point of chasing yeah. down tackles? Do you? Yeah. Well, you, you two are asking what's the player supposed to do. Well, uh, maybe the coaches, this is an inflammatory thing to say, but maybe the coaches are throwing their arms up as well. So to hear Luke Beveridge last night say that, you know, you've got to wonder whether you even show the players that memo because half the time it's just going to be bad luck. And then speaking to Darcy Byrne-Jones before, no, I wasn't shown that memo either. So maybe the coach is thinking, we're going to just have to wear a couple of these a season because you just can't coach against that. So Melbourne have told us, Christian Petrarca has told us, they are specifically coaching the takedown tackle now and how to do it and land them on yourself and turn so mm. that you don't risk mm. the suspension. It doesn't mean something won't go wrong here and there. But you can't just throw your hands. I'm, I'm not amazed, but I am amused that, so the AFL went to the effort of fulfilling yeah. the desire, well, show us what we can do, yeah. Yeah, I know. and then it's not being passed on to be studied anyway. Well, is, that, is that because a few weeks ago when two were let off, <laughs> they change their mind from one week to the next. So the AFL, well, what they're saying is now, what the clubs are saying, what they're showing is right now, in five weeks they might change because it seems like we've had little tweaks along the way. Yeah, no, I reckon the two that got let off were, they were different. And we said that the Chera's mechanism matched nothing else that had gone before it. And I think... Rory slowed. There's no doubt when yeah, you watch Rory Leeds tackle. So they, they were really specific yep. moments within it. So it doesn't mean that... So every dangerous tackle is not a suspension. But the ones that were suspended had commonalities. And then we got two that were ever so slightly different. And you go, well, that's what we want in the system, don't yep. we? Is if so, if you can prove that these are slightly different, and that's St Kilda's task, and if they're able to do that, then they might get their not mm. guilty verdict. In that case, there's no not guilty verdict then. <laughs> from looking at that tackle from two years ago, where we've, where we've come, and the, the force that was put into the ground, unfortunately for Butler, it looks against him. Mm. The only thing I can see with this is we're going to have this discussion and we're going to get suspended players and not suspended players. It's going to... This is this is not the end result. This is not where we end it. No. This is going to go on for as long as you and I watch football. This will come up every week because players will always be required to tackle in this sport. It will happen again. So we are not at the finish line with this. And there is no finish line in sight. Because as you've just said, it is the absolute instance of contact to the ground. What transpires then? And that is a millisecond decision in tackle. Not as, you, not as you're, you're encroaching. So we are nowhere near the finish line. No, of this. but we, we've lived through this on a few fronts. We lived through it with a bump with the player with his head over the ball, yep. and I recall all the discussions going. Oh, no, that's not possible. It is possible. The bump's dead. The you tackle's a, dead. The you game's get a dead. Change of, you get a change of technique, a change of methodology. It doesn't mean from time to time you still don't get one, but that when you have your crackdown, there's a critical mass, and you have to learn from it. And that it filtrates through, and there is a, there's a change of approach, there's a change of technique, and there's a set of examples that have been set out as players can you can do this. So I, Sam, you, you were kind of trite then, saying that the, the bumps dead. Blah, well, blah, that's blah, what, that the gets house. thrown out all the time. Tell right? me the last good bump you saw. 
uh, legal bump. Tell me the last good bump you saw. But the bump's not dead. You can still bump. Just don't you, you, bump you someone bump in the head. You bump for position now. You don't bump somebody to put them out of the action where no. the ball is. I'm not saying put them to the boundary on the other side of the boundary, but if somebody's over the ball, to bump them robustly, take them completely mm. off their feet so you have access to the ball, that's gone. Well, yes, but only because players have mitigated, I could do this. But if I get it this much wrong, I'm out next week. So and Bol- Bolton and Viney, that, that's, down that's in front of us here. Bolton takes his chances oh, and, stack. Na- stack. 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 Yep. and he nails Viney perfect, shoulder to shoulder, the best bump you could imagine. Yep. And he go, but in the aftermath, you go, so Sydney, if you want to do that, that's uh, you, perfect. Well done. Actually, broke his but you're going to get three weeks if you miss by this much. Correct. Risk so versus, don't do it. Risk so, versus yeah, but so they're, they're, absolutely, oh, you, you, you're vindicating my point. It means that players are not willing to bump like they used to, even if they are not aiming up the head, which, sadly enough, as courses, it says we used to aim for the head. But it, that, that's forget that. That's another era. But they are not even looking to robustly bump the body now. So even though we're trite in saying, oh, the bump's dead, it kind of is. Mm. The sport doesn't look anything like it does for that nature of physical contact. This... Tackle which we progress to now, the rundown tackle from behind. We're on a slope. It's it's starting to. If we say you cannot run down like that, and and the, as we say, the absolute end moment must change. Players are going to do what they did with the bump. They're going to say, "Is the risk worth it?" How, how it many rundown change. tackles do you reckon we've had in thirteen rounds? One hundred and sixty. 240, uh, pick any number. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah, had one suspension. One, one yeah. went wrong. Yeah. I, I'm not accepting that if he gets suspended. I think there's a mountable case to get him off. But I don't accept that if he gets suspended, that's the end of the rundown tackle. I just don't accept that. Because no. there's been X number and they've all been fine. Yeah. And this one goes a little bit awry. Uh, probably because Butler is over-exuberant at the end of the tackle. What? If we're really honest. Players yeah, can adjust. I'm not so sure Play- it's that Adrenaline pumping <laughs> right through. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, think, I pl- think it'll be harassment tackles. I think they'll, they'll, they'll move to that rather than I'm running him down, I'm pinning the arms and I'm You're taking him frisking. down. So, yeah, it'll be... Well, A pat-down. That's, well, that's probably the parallel strip, to the search, non-bump. Just a- See, you've gone for the trite. <laughs> but what well, I can remember sitting here, again. I can remember saying, I reckon Marcus Bontempelli was the first notable case this year where we, we joked about it on air here on Crunch Time, the lay-down tackle. Yeah. He was the first one in Perth to pin someone. We thought, the players can't adjust. They're, they're, they're just, we're asking too much of the players. And he had him cold. He tackled him to the ground. But he just didn't slam his head into the turf. And it was the same, the same outcome. It was the same impeding. It was the same tough play. He just didn't ram him into the ground at the end. Mm. Yep. Well, that's that's not a rundown tackle, though, was it? No, no. And that's why th- this is and it, this is why I think Butler's got a good chance is because, like Chera, this is totally divorced from the other set that have gone mm. up. This so, is a singular case. Okay. So in this singular case, how quick, how brilliant has Nick Blakey been in recent weeks with his pace out of the back line? Dan Butler knows I'm pacey as well. This is a great scalp to run down from behind. But if he gets another six steps in, I ain't catching him. I've got to get him and I've got to get him now. I've got to accelerate to my full throttle capacity. And he gets to him and he hits him at full throttle capacity. That's why Ross would like it. Because it was what what Blake has been able to do in the last few weeks is 
create their run off the half-back line. So that's why Ross would be all for it. But out of here, who reckons you'll get off? Jared? Um, I think they've got a good chance. I don't know whether he gets off or not, but I, I think they have a... I think they have a strong case to make. Yes or no? Um. <laughs> I think it's unlikely he gets off, but maybe this is how I'm it should with be. You. That yeah. he ticks the boxes, Michael Christian, because he has to, and yeah. it goes to the tribunal. Let the tribunal decide. Let the player argue his is case. Is it weird that we're sitting here guessing whether he's going to get off or not? That we're uh, no. unsure? Or is it just because no, this is the first one that we've seen that we're, we're sitting on this? After, after this case, we're going to be sitting here going, well, yeah. this is what we accept or this is what we don't accept? Uncharted so I, I tell you where we get to is, so Jordan Degoe does what he does and we all know yeah. that's a yeah. suspension yeah and then it's just a debate of three or four and then it's a debate of how inflammatory we want to be with the language but in the moment you see it we all know nah, that's a suspension yeah. and so you get to the you get to recognize the ones that you wince over and yeah, nah, yeah. you're not going to be playing Chris has a little gun shy at the moment he was never going to adjudicate on this one he's always going to move it on so it'll be a big case on Tuesday night. It will be. And just to clear up for all avoidance of doubt, it doesn't matter if he's concussed or otherwise. He did come off for the HIA, obviously past that. It was the turf toe or whatever he's got at the moment that uh, saw him subbed out after all that. Was it? Yeah. I know. It's the timing. So I listened well, the timing to the timing too. He had to be on for the well. 15 minutes. Yeah. And they didn't and want to play. The game was going to be over at that stage. That's true. It was a critical part yeah. of the game. But he did say he came in with some toe soreness and we thought won't do him uh, any harm. Yeah, what, that'll, that'll come up. That will be used. That he wasn't concussed. Mm. Yeah. Probably. But, that, that, but that's only no grave is medium. Yeah. So if you go off and have the HI, that's medium. And okay, so, so that feeds into that. Yeah, right, it's okay. all about whether it's careless or not. Did he breach his duty of care or not? And those are the only two parameters. It doesn't. It's not. It's this got is where to do I need your expertise, Jared, because I'm used to seeing to walking in there and hearing whether you had intent or not. Yeah, yeah. So it's not about malice, and it's not about. I don't understand how football action has infiltrated the language of this. That that's ignorance. That doesn't exist. There is no such thing as a football action in the way that this is. And most of our suspensions come from bumps and tackles, which are football actions anyway. So when you hear so former players who don't follow this week on week and just swing in from time to time mm-hmm. with big statements around it, there's nothing. Nothing in the system around football actions and non-football actions. So that's just a that's your straw man argument. So you actually have to deal with what the rules are, how they've been interpreted and applied throughout the year, and how each case has either reinforced or allowed for a, a loophole or a, or an argument against. And there's a whole there. We've so these two. are morphing rules, though. These the, these these rules are not as per written as such. I actually do have a rule book. Which yeah, yeah. I go no, to. Ca- it's case they, law. Yeah. So we put them up. They all, they're all getting graded the same way. And then can you make an argument against it? The first 17 failed. Two were successful with unique with a unique aspect in each. And then Butler will get to tag his chance. Do I marry up with either of those? Did, did I fulfill my duty of care in a split second? Did I release the pin arm? Those are the two that we yep. know. Does he fit into either of those? Or can they come up with the third that would allow for a not guilty verdict. Ooh. So that's how it'll work. It's all in the hands of the lawyers now. Oh, boy. Well, strap yourself in. It'll be a big week of it, that's for sure. Uh, you're going to be busy. Uh, are, the swans out of, are the swans out of, yeah. out of, out of our thinking? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, you, you can't lose that many games. And they're not a good team. We And, Luke, you're actually, it's good that you're here we discussed and we semi-discussed off air and sort of on air. Um, it's a massive choice for Sydney how they structure up in the forward line because Lance deserves all the. He's 
just an incredible player. There, there are players who become champions and there are players who, during their career, and they're very few, you can say they're an all-time great while they're still playing. Now, he's won. But to me, they're playing to him as the numero uno in the forward line, and they shouldn't. Yeah, they have to, though. If you, because you look at Bo McDonald, he's out injured. He, he's the future of that football club at, at Senar Ford, full forward. Uh, Joel Amadi, before he got injured, he looked really good uh, over in Adelaide, then did his hamstring. So you sit back and go, oh, they've, they've got to change their forward structure because they can't be buddy-focused. They're two key forwards who are going to be the future of that football club aren't out there. Reed, so, Reed, but Reed's right in. now, you know, Hayden McLean took, was the only one to take four contested marks, aerial contested marks. In that game. And he was numerously one-on-one inside the forward line, but taking the least threatening position, whereas Lance would take the threatening position as a starting point and have two opponents. Yeah, they, they should be able to flex. And all, all teams with a forward structure should be able to change who's the vocal point. If, but who, they don't with Lance. Is that because he's probably at the age it is or because of the situation that they want him to kick a number of goals because of his 350s? That's why I say it's great to have you here. Is Lance the type of player who turns around and says and puts up the the, the policeman's stop hand and goes, no, don't come into my area. To all others, I want this position? No, it would be be the decision of the coaches of who plays where. They're probably looking at Bud going because of his age, because of his body, play him deepest to save him because we can't have any more injuries to our tools. But I I I couldn't see Buddy sitting here going, I'm the full forward, you play up there, because I've played with him for a number of times where he's played selfless roles to put his team before himself. And this is is Buddy 10 years ago. So the older you get, the more you're invested in the team and the more that I can't see Bud sitting here going, I'm I'm the go-to guy. This would be a forward structure, which because of their personnel there, I think they've just got trapped into having Bud at that spot and he takes the best defender, and that's where he'll, that's where he'll and stand. And that's great why you are here and able to answer that for us. Therefore, I'd say they're playing him wrong. Yeah, well, they, they, they need to change. They need to change up clearly because because of the football that they're playing. But he... don't make a Marty your sub. Play him on the ground. Don't make Hayden McLean your, your decoy forward because he's the only one who can take a mark above his head. And. If you've got a one-on-one with those two boys, rather than kicking to a two-on-one with Lance, who can't at ground level hold it in now, as soon as the ball hits the ground, he's in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Um, make him a decoy, and if from what you're saying, he's willing to do that. So they're not playing it right. And, and with that as well, if if you're playing Bud as a decoy, and they like, well, hang on, let's swap the main defender onto whoever's at full forward. Bud's capable of kicking two or three really quickly from fifty or fifty plus. Mm-hmm. So to change it up. There hasn't been any willingness to do that yet, so maybe now is the time. The news of the week for Repco Authorised Service. Penrite Oil and your local Repco Authorised Service. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. The best days are when you don't draw breath during the ad break. It just goes on and on. Nine for 39, you say, Darren. <laughs> I was a little stiff. Nine suspensions, I, I, 39 <laughs> weeks. You've really made them count. Hodgie <laughs> <laughs> used to pay to play some weeks. <laughs> yeah, I actually, my, my wife, and don't put me in the same category as Derm. I was only, I was only hey. suspended oh. for multiple weeks twice, and they were both accidents. Uh, but my, you my, went up more than me. 
Yeah, but mine was for softball. You, we, we had reprimands and we had fines. Were you the game's first clumsy Soft player? game. Clumsy? Clumsy, no. No, no that was mummy. Oh, mummy, yeah. <laughs> <Shame>. He's clumsy. <laughs> no, my, my wife got to a stage after, because we went through a lot of the fines and that, where I got home from one game and there was a crunchy in the cupboard. And I said, oh, can I have that crunchy? And she said, no, because I got fined again. She said, if you don't get fined or suspended next week, you can have a crunchy. So after every week, <laughs> after every week, if I didn't get fined or suspended crunch? or looked at, I'd get home and there'd be a crunchy sitting on the bench for me. <laughs> it worked. I, I didn't get looked at for about two and a half years. <laughs> there you go. So, so Clarko's sitting there going, how can we stop our captain getting rubbed out? No, so th- this is how it works. It so Clarko was, Clark was going off at me for being soft, but I'd get home and get a crunchy. <laughs> so the crunchy outweighed the anger from the coach. It's interesting, though. Like, I know people Hey, Jared, footballers are very simple people. So oh, give yeah, them little, goals, little rewards <laughs> and they'll listen. response. We, we're like Pavlov's dog. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a poor person's violet crumble, too. Can I put hey, that hey. out on the record? No, I remember when Peter Schwab right. was in, in charge of the umpiring fraternity. And he he loved like all of us Glen Archer, and he kept being he was a recidivist as well, and he got Glen Archer to come and speak to somebody about uh, controlling their anger and how to chain it into a uh, sorry um uh, guide it into a different uh, f- facet of the game where they could take their anger out. So what in. you're saying is don't go and punch someone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was one time I got asked to go and speak to Barry Hall about trying to curb your anger out in the ground. I did speak to Barry and after we had lunch together and after about 30 minutes he said, you're not really giving me much. And I said, oh, I can't. <laughs> we just talked about blokes we'd clobbered. Imagine, imagine getting a pep talk. What? Imagine what getting a, a pep talk from Derm saying, hey, you shouldn't hit someone when you're angry. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they ask you? I don't know. They just thought I, oh. as I got older, I was able to control those right. impulses a little better, which is true. Do you know sometimes when you think in hindsight we could have made a better decision? <laughs> I reckon that may have been one of their thought posts. <laughs> That's so good. We look ahead to the games of the round for the TAC. Please reply quickly to texting drivers a message from the TAC. I want to jump straight to the end yep. because Melbourne and Collingwood has so much by play within it, Grundy and Gorn together against uh, against Collingwood. This is high end stuff. It's one v three. I feel like we'll learn an awful lot. Um, it's ripe for magnificent overreaction. I think that game. I can't wait for us. Should be fantastic. The the contrasting styles. We know that. Um it's such a watchable game. They're such a watchable team at the moment. It's high octane, movement of the ball, keep it flowing, uh, come forward to defend. The ball's always in motion, which makes it an attractive sport to watch. I'm not so sure that Melbourne, and I love Melbourne, I actually at the start of the year made them my grand final tip. I thought with personnel they can do this, but a game style here is I've got Collingwood superseding them as my favourite for the flag from here, which is a long way off and a lot can happen. Um, You wouldn't want to lose certain personnel in that Collingwood team, although they've lost personnel and still survive and still thrive. Um, I I just think they might just be a little bit too, as I said before, high octane for Melbourne's ability to defend that movement. And how are Melbourne travelling? They've lost two of the last three, and the, they beat Carlton last week when it wasn't a, a great visual game. They they got over line from a team who, who was struggling. Um, so it's, it's we're sort of going to have a good understanding of how Melbourne are looking coming up against a team, and as you said, that are exciting, that will hurt teams when you give them time and space. 
Collingwood will hurt you. Jared, you and I sat here and <laughs> last year, 12 months ago, when they were like 11 0 or so. Zero, yeah. And we said, what a team. And then each week they lost thereafter, we were saying, this might be who they are. Since that, was it the 12 game mark? Let's say the break of 2022. They're at best a 50 50 team. And even people such as ourselves looked at it earlier this year and said, well, they need to right the ship and rectify a few things, and that'll be mechanical because the personnel they've got is league's best. Got arguably the best midfield in the comp. They are adding the second-best ruckman in the comp, which helps them in the forward end because their best ruckman they can play forward who can take a grab. There's debate on how that mix up with the uh, sorry mixture between those two ruckmans has fared for them and they've got one of the best intercept markers and they've got one of the best lockdown defenders who actually intercepts mark as well and you think personnel wise everything looks good but it isn't the the thing that broke them open last year was Fremantle's they got to a stage when they were 10 and zip and Teams are like, we can't beat Melbourne going in normal game style. So what can we do? We're going to have to change things up. And it was Fremantle was the team that opened Out them up here. with changing the angles and making sure they had a small pressured forward line, which put Melbourne with their lever-may structure behind the ball. It was, it was chaos ball movement, if which, which caused move, it. If they didn't mark And then yeah. from that, that opened up onto a game plan, a game style on how to beat Melbourne. What does Collingwood do? Chaos ball movement with a small, agile forward line that puts pressure on the opposition defenders. It's the prime game plan that hurts Melbourne. And this is what you come up here with about their ball movement. You don't, No matter where the ball is with Collingwood in their back half, it's going to try and go through the middle of the ground. It's going to try and go quick. It's going to be changing angles. And then you're going to have Lever and May sitting back going, where's this ball coming from? Who is the Collingwood player they could least afford to lose, succumb to injury? Darcy Moore, maybe? Oh, that's number one for me, too. Mm. Uh, have we got a sequel to the No Duck, No Dinner as well, by the way? Now, yeah. I'm more interested in the in the lead-up than I am the aftermath with this. So that was Ed Langdon's famous call last year, didn't that like the touch paper? Well, I reckon we've got a very similar comment. Simon Goodwin in his press conference during the week, for him to say a Brody Grundy, and they haven't tried to shield Brody Grundy away from playing against his old side. Far from it. We've heard from Max Gorn. He's going, to be, he's going to take the first bounce. I won't stand in his way. And now Simon Goodwin to say that he is now at a club that really values what he brings to the team. We're certainly going to embrace that, which is obviously a point of reference to the fact that Collingwood forced him out, traded him out, the salary cap issues and the like. I think that has absolutely mm. set the cat amongst the pickings coming it? in. That will be shown. That, that will be shown to the players going, well, this is what, this is what the opposition think about us as a football club and what we stand for looking after their players. So there's no doubt mm. coaches use any little bit of comment that's coming from the opposition to try and build motivation to go out there and hunt the opposition. And there's no doubt that Collingwood will show that. We saw against Port Adelaide several weeks ago where they, when you talk about the hunt, they targeted Max Gorn. Collingwood seemed like a team to me that target opposition. They're all nice guys off the ground and they smile and they sign autographs and they do interviews and they're fantastic and we love that. But on the ground, they're nasty. Who goes for him then? I reckon Maynard just steps in his way half Maynard, a dozen times. Adams. Yeah, but Adams. just like Crisp, they, I think they out. will target him. <laughs> I think they will just say, you're a fantastic player, you're a great player, but do you have it in your spine, in your soul to stand up to every contest where we just give you that little extra, a little bit of mayonnaise on top? No, Dugowie, yeah. So he's going to miss, well, albeit, it'll, it'll, all up, it'll be a month 
uh, of action, really, co- combined with the bye which they have after this weekend. So the three match suspension, uh, and and then the and then the three three match suspension, and then the bye thrown in. So after all the debate about oh he couldn't possibly go to Bali, he couldn't, he's not going overseas at all. We can state that. I'm sure he'll have a getaway. And then look, it might be a silver lining in in a very similar sense that it was last year when he had that timeout from the game. Not that you would choose to do this for a player like him, but if he comes back in round 17 with a good conditioning block under him, the freshest player on the list just about, then that has to bode and well for them, doesn't it? I think that's how you have to... Once you miss a big block like that through suspension, you need to look at it as a glass half full. And, and his mindset needs to be, I'll go away, I'll freshen up, and the back end of my season will be better than the front end. And the front end of his season was mm. pretty good. It's a good time to build up that fitness. Hopefully, can, Collingwood continue to win games. And then from that, he hits September running. He'll have a good block of seven or so weeks leading into the finals. Yeah. And look at him charge from there. And what a strange time out of the game it's been for someone like Clayton Oliver, who, who does his hamstring, we thought, then trained a couple of days later, was going to miss one game, misses two, was going to come back after only two out, now in hospital for a period of time too with a nasty infection after some blisters in the foot. And what a strange sort of uh, absence for, for Clayton Oliver, hopefully back um, after, after the bye course. I, I, I want to get back to your multiple suspensions. How did you come back after two weeks, Luke? Uh, Two weeks compared to the four that he's having off. Well, you got into the crunchy bars, apparently. Yeah, no, I didn't get them because I got suspended. (laughs) How did you come back? Well, we won a flag five weeks later, so I guess we were okay. (laughs) That always helped. It's a Luke Hodge Cup today, too, by the way. It is. Grant Birchall Cup, Jack Gunston Cup. Luke Hodge Mm. Cup. The Andy Gowers Cup. He was the first to make that that leap. Hmm. Chris Fagan has sent a piece of it as well. Now, um, Friday, uh, Sunday night, 75,000, Carlton and Essendon. Yeah. Um, Stop putting them on primetime slots, Jared. <laughs> can, they, can Carlton shake it off? Uh, yeah, because, look, Essendon are doing super well, but Carlton should. I mean, every week we, we say, this is their acid test. <laughs> They failed five acid tests in a row. Is there anything left of them? Oh, God. Well, if, if McCoy... Who we got in? Ed, Ed Kerno, Jack Martin, Mark Pitt, and that comes back in. Is Jack Silvani stiff? Yeah, well, they, they they clearly just don't quite value what he brings them. Yeah. He doesn't quite... Sort of as, when Pitnet comes back... He's in between once yeah. DeConing's in the side. Can I ask? The, look, everyone loves Ed Kerno for what he does. He's mm. he's the heart and soul of a club like that for what he's gone through. But they've dropped Paddy Dow, Lockie O'Brien, Jack Silvani to bring in a, a 30, what is he, 32, 33. Is their mind still going? He's not going to play in their next premiership. Is it, to, is it getting to the stage where you go, and it's hard because he's been so good for that football club, but... Paddy Dow, he's done nothing wrong. He came, to, he comes on, plays a, he plays a sub last week, has nine touches in a quarter for a team that was poor, and then they drop him back out. He's consistently been best on at their VFL, gets one little opportunity, does well, and then gets dropped again for a bloke who's in his thirties. Sammy, you're all things Carlton. What, no, that's what, been heavily debated. What do they? <laughs> what heavily do they debated really, okay. in my household. Yeah. What do they really see and think of Paddy Dow? Uh, well, not enough to be playing him. Not enough to be playing him. I mean, it's as simple as that. They're the ones that are watching him week in, week out. I think most people see the numbers and they see how good the numbers are mm-hmm. and they think he has to be playing. But clearly, he's not doing things that they want to see in the side. And 
He's batting in a, in a in a lineup there that is deep. It's it's Carlton's deepest position. How can it be? How can it be deep? Well, they're, they're on ball division. Yeah, but they're on ball division. So who who comes out for him to go in? Are you gonna? You're not gonna drop Paddy Cripps. You know, <laughs> well, you're gonna go for all the usual. Well, so Walsh, you're, gonna you're not gonna us, drop. You're Walsh. gonna give us the top three first. Well, he plays on what ball. What about the peripheral? Players? He plays on ball, doesn't he? Jackson Binns we'll is the other one. Through there. I think with Ed Kerno coming back in, Jackson Binns is another one who's playing at VFL level at the moment who a lot of current supporters would like to see exposed and had a, a cracking game in the, in the second tier last weekend. Well, you're bringing in Kerno what, to go to Merritt more than likely? I would have thought so. Why yeah. couldn't you do that to, to Dow? So, all right, mate, you're a young fella. You can't get a spot in this as a hunter. We know that one-on-one you're going to win your, your, your fair share of contested possessions. Why don't you go and run with Merritt? So the, at least then you've got a 23, 24-year-old who may be able to find a spot in this side yep. rather than going back to what you've done for 10 years and put Kerno to the opposition's best player. Like Think outside the box a little bit and give a bloke who's done everything he possibly could at seconds level to get a spot. Give him a chance. So, yeah. so you mentioned the top flight players, which, okay, so would you play him before Ed Kerno and Matty Cottrell? Well, Ed Kerno's come in for a specific reason yeah. this week, would, I think. But, so, would but you in any other week, yes. before then? Not Cottrell, no. I think Cottrell definitely offers something in terms of his speed, his ground coverage off a wing, but but certainly the debate is there for someone like an Ed Kerno. And turns it over beautifully. <laughs> well, I think Paddy Dow's been guilty of that too in the past, to be honest. <laughs> Are you confident that your side, with oh, their let's tall not forward... Do no, 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 let's no. not do this. Well, the, the, the floor of Essendon is what we're saying is they're key defenders. They need another big key defender. You've got De Kooning... Kerno, Mackay with Pitnett in the ruck. Can, are you confident that they're going to tear the game apart? No. How can you be confident <laughs> they're going to tear the game apart? That was, you didn't even ponder that. But the yeah, question you. is, are they going to be given the opportunity to tear the game apart? And I think that's been the big issue for You're Carl. suffering battle ball fatigue. Movement. Ball <laughs> movement. Efficiency of ball movement is a, is a real issue. Could at you the do the press conference on Monday morning, Sam? That'd be great. <laughs> Please reply quickly to texting drivers, TAC. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. Crunch Time from the MCG ahead of Brisbane and Hawthorne. It's the first game on this Saturday. Before we delve towards our certainties, of which uh, there was a bit more heart shown last week to great effect too, uh, let's do a little bit of dabbling, shall we, with Josh Jeans. It's time to say hey to the social bet with Dabble. Josh Jeans has joined us for a banter and a bet. Go on, have a dabble. What are you really gambling with? Thanks, Jared. Yeah, plenty happening at Dabble. In fact, we've got an NBA meetup today with Andrew Bogut and Peter Hooley, which would be good for a couple of dabblers, but plenty happening as well in terms of the AFL banter channels. And Lord Heath Shaw is today a little bit of a mini grand final for both Fremantle and Richmond. Yes, Josh, of course it is, because if Richmond lose, they're done. The season is over, and they've recruited... Taranto Hopper to play finals or have a chance at winning a premiership and if they do not miss the finals where are they at coach gone already it's it's a bit of a question mark on where they are at as an actual club so for me Josh they need to win to keep themselves within finals contention and Frio if they do win then they will definitely be a huge chance of playing in there yeah, I actually like Ferro. They started a bit slow, didn't they? But they've started to get their act together. Let's have a look at that game. And that's where our same game multi lies. 
I've gone Fremantle to win. I'm liking how they look. Tim Taranto score any time. Uh, I know there was a bit of chat about Taranto being at the Tigers this year, but he's looked pretty good, and his Brownlow odds have, in fact, shortened a fair bit, haven't they? And James Aish to get 20-plus disposals. James Aish, yeah. you reckon? I don't even know he was still playing. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I've gone Fremantle to be the winner. Very simple. They're going to win. Nat Fife to kick a goal. Anytime goal scorer and Dion Pressier, 25 plus possessions. When he plays well, Richmond usually do well. So if he gets 25 plus, they're a chance of winning. But I'm on the Dockers and I don't know why you're going with James Ash. Very serviceable player, Heath. I know he's no, he's no Heath Shaw, but he is. The word is serviceable. <laughs> serviceable. Of course, you can copy those bets with one click. Just download the Dabble app, follow the Crunch Time AFL team, and hit that copy bet button. Back to you, Jared. See trending bets from profiles like Heath Shaw, Dane Swan, The Bev Show, and plenty of others. Get following Crunch Time and have a dabble. Go on, have a dabble. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, visit gamblingonline.org.au. SEN Survivor, Berwick Motor Group, home of the GWM Cannon Range. This has been reopened to resume in round 16 with selected games to play for a couple of thousand dollars. With our reintegration last week, Sellers returned to his roots. He tipped Gold Coast to beat Adelaide. Terrific. And Sammy went Richmond to beat the Giants and went the distance and survived. So a bit of true heart. Shown on those. You dug fronts. deep, Sammy. Well, well done. done. It was well done. all on you. Luke Hodge, I'm not sure you've managed to survive any round so far, but do you want to have no, another go? I'll, I'll jump back in. I'll buy back in. Uh, I'm going to go a really courageous go hard, one. Mate. I'll, I'll go courageous Pick a real one. outsider. I'm going a dollar o two Adelaide Crows oh. back West Coast. <laughs> that is disgusting. Hey, I've been bitten so many times. Yeah, well done. Well, Brisbane okay. Lions round one, and then North Melbourne beat Frio at home round two. No that crunchy is despicable. No, that is it's Can called I Survivor. Just, I'm going to quote something. I'm surviving. You. If you work out how much you make a year, divide that by 352. How much you make a day, divide that by 24 hours in the day. It costs you more time to put that bet on for Adelaide than you'll win from it. Yeah, but I'm surviving. That's all I'm after. Oh, I don't care about the dollar two. I'm saying I'm, I'm I'm here next week. Where Hang are you, on. Where are you going, Dermot? Firstly, are you standing for that? Because you you call us all out if you're not happy with the the amount of heart shown. Desperation. No, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. Happy, with that. Yeah. happy he, he stays in. put it on the block yeah. too many times. Oh. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a soft kill here and there. Everybody's got their dunce. If, if West Coast win, I'm not coming back. I want to play him into form. I want to play him into form. You're like a tipping mascot now. Dermot, who do you want to go? I am going for a slight outsider, and I think the form line goes all right. You got them last week, Sammy, with the they beat the Giants literally on the last play of the day. Cheekies. Before that, they only got done, the Tigers, by Port Adelaide in real good form by 10 points, and then they got pipped by one point in a, an extraordinary game against Essendon, and before that, they knocked over the Cats down at the, the Cattery. So I don't think that... The Tigers' form line is all that bad. And the Dockers have Sean Darcy out, who I'm a massive rap for. I think he's been their absolute backbone of this team. If only they had a backup ruckman like Luke Jackson. <laughs> Are you saying he's as good as Sean Darcy, though? I'm saying go Frio. <laughs> so you're going Richmond? I'm going Richmond right. to cause an upset there. Yeah, nice. Sammy. Well, given <laughs> given you will accept, given you will accept nothing less. I think recent form is 
a good indicator for North Melbourne Ooh. to roll GWS at Blunston Arena. Josh Simkin out hurts me. Luke Davies Unyak hurts me. But gee whiz, the Warlord, the Cheezel, Flipper Phillips. How's their history been down there? Uh, not good. <laughs> but they lost by a goal last week. Uh, Collingwood obviously did what Collingwood would do. And then three points are lost to Sydney. So recent form's been good under Brett Ratton. I'll I reckon give you they'll ask a few points in. I'll take that. Jared, is the whole point to pick I'll the losing that. team? I, or? Say, I like your strategy at this stage. <laughs> think you'll survive. Yeah. I think we'll say ta-ta to the other two. <laughs> That's okay. But they're surviving by cowering in the corner. Yeah. Oh, yes. Or they're yeah. surviving. Hey, if you're the last one to get shot, you, you survive. <laughs> surviving like Braveheart. They yeah. can't find you. Yes, I was just thinking that. Yeah. But, but years from now, lying when in your bed, when you say, I had a chance <laughs> to say wallet. no to our oppressors, Luke Hodge. That's right. Would you? What would you give? Up for this one moment again. They will not no, take. No, I'm, I'm our still hiding in the cupboard. <laughs> Visit Berwick GMW Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC, part of the Berwick Motor Group. Uh, Hodgie, you're staying on, so uh, we'll keep going at the G. Cheers, guys. Dermot, thank you. Pleasure. Sam, terrific. Cheers, That's been crunch time for round 13.